Hello everyone, Mackenzie Mitchell here, former NXT backstage interviewer and television personality, and I'm just letting everyone know that I will be in Orlando, Florida on April 20th for Glory Days at GrappleCon. I can't wait to meet you guys, sign your favorite items, talk about WWE moments, your favorite backstage interviews. So much fun to come on April 20th at Glory Days, and I will see you there. Welcome, everybody, and this is the inaugural broadcast of the Glory Days GrappleCon that is coming up on April the 20th, 2024, in the beautiful, I believe, Nick, what do they call, what is it, is it the Magic City, Orlando? It's the Magic City, right? Magic City, O-Town, uh, Orlando is a city of many names, and I'm sure we'll be able to come up with some other ones after April 20th's Glory Days uh, at the Rosen Center, which we're looking forward to, we're going to talk about today. Absolutely. And just if you're just joining us, and this is obviously our first episode, my name is Barry Rose. You may know me. I have done 10 fan fests in the Tampa Bay area. These were CWF Legends fan fests. Uh, at the same time, I have been a co-host on a podcast called Breaking Kayfabe with Baldrin and Barry uh, for the last seven and a half years. And with that, I am really excited to be able to partner up with my good friend, the captain. And he is a captain, ladies and gentlemen. I have seen the captain's hat, so he is a captain. But my good friend, Nick Massey, joining us, my partner, will be running, I guess we said, Glory Days GrappleCon, April the 20th, 2024. It is a full-day event, Nick. And that's that's really what I think we really want to get out there. This is not a fan fest where you show up for two or three hours and get a photo and autograph. This is something we are going to be doing all day. We're going to have Q&A sessions. We'll talk about this a little longer. And of course, we will have the photos and autograph sessions as well. But Nick, I know that you and I have spent a lot of time off air, not recording and discussing how this is going to blow the socks off a lot of people. Would you agree with that? Oh, well, yeah, I think you, I think you touched on it that, you know, uh, you talked about your very successful CWF Legends Fan Fest that uh, you ran out of the Tampa Lutz area over the last decade. And I've had the opportunity to run a bunch of conventions in the New Jersey, New York, uh, New England area over the last seven or eight years. And uh, this is going to be an entire day's worth of entertainment. This is multi-level, multifaceted to where it's not just the convention. Uh, like we, we've all been to conventions where you're just going up, you're getting an autograph, you're getting a photo. This is going to be an experience to where you'll be able to get a Q&A with Ron Simmons, stay up late with Jack Victory. And what, and what could be uh, the true highlight of the day is our Heroes of the Sportatorium panel. Uh, which uh, I know we're going to have a guest on uh, world-class legend a little later today. I don't want to bury the lead. Uh -oh. we'll, we'll talk about that shortly, but I think that this is going to be one of the best valued conventions around. 
where uh, for your dollar, because we know uh, uh, these days uh, the dollar doesn't go as far as it used to. So it, we're going to provide you as much entertainment possible for your dollar. And uh, we'll talk about all the different options as we kind of go on our, our inaugural episode. And I, I love that you point that out as well, Nick. And a lot of the reasoning is when I started the CWF Legends Fan Fest, it was really born out of my dislike of other fan fests. It was, it you know, overpriced and not enough given to the fan. Because look, at the end of the day, you and I are both fans. This sure. I was talking with somebody yesterday regarding the upcoming event, and they said, why do you do these? You know, do you do it for the money? Is it? It's like, no, I do it because it's self-serving. I am the biggest wrestler fan that there is so if you can get me into a building and legends like the one-man gang ron simmons stan hansen current legends like matt friggin riddle top dollar there there's going to be so much talent here and it was funny nick because i sat down today and i was trying to coordinate and organize all of the talent that's going to be there and we're adding talent at such a rate i can't keep up with it so you just said it i'm gonna back that up for your dollar, this is the best value in the wrestling universe. It will not get any better than this. So, Nick, you know, one of the things I was thinking about as we were discussing, you know, what we're going to do and all that, and I was thinking about my love of wrestling and how did it start and, and what got me into professional wrestling. And much like a lot of people that I talked to, it was my dad. You know, it's my dad was uh, and I'll give you a little bit of history. My dad grew up in Columbus, Ohio, which is, I think, just a couple of hours away from our producer, Ray, who lives in Cleveland. But uh, my dad was not really a wrestling fan. It wasn't what his thing was. He was a basketball fan and he trained at a gym and it was the same gym in Columbus, which was the Al Half gym where all of the wrestlers trained. So with that, he got to know guys, and I'm talking 1950s. He got to know guys like Ray Stevens, the great Mephisto, Ken Ramey uh, was another one. But whenever these wrestlers would come down to Florida, my dad would take me to meet them. And I think, you know, I was looking at that first card I ever went to. It was November of 1971. So I no doubt I'm giving away my age a little bit by revealing a card from 52 years ago. I was a little kid, though, uh, but my dad took me and, you know, it took a little time before I fully understood what was going on. But my dad would introduce me to the great Mephisto, who was a great friend of his and, and Ray Stevens as well. And it was so important to me. And those kind of memories, you know, they stick with you. They stick with you throughout life. And. To me, to be able to be a part of something so friggin' cool as Glory Days GrappleCon, where, you know, we, we're not just celebrating professional wrestling and the wrestlers, we're honoring them. And that's what a lot of this is about. And I, as you know, Nick, you have done, you know, your shows, first off, I've been to at least two of your shows, one in Connecticut, one in New Jersey. And they're, in my opinion, they're fantastic. They're probably the best shows that are out there. And when I say probably, they are. They are the best shows that are out there. But there is the respect level that when you walk into one of your shows, much like if you walked into one of our shows, there is a respect level that the fans in attendance 
give to our legends. And I got to tell you, that means the world to me. And I've had, and I know that you have, because you and I have talked about it. I have had professional wrestlers and legends come up to me and said, this was the best crowd I've ever been in front of, you know, not performing obviously, but as far as a fan fest, they were respectful. They asked respectful questions, you know, and they're friendly above all. It's not like, Hey, can you take a photo right now? And that's it. No, it's, they want to talk to the legends. We allow that. We, we actually encourage you go spend time, talk to the legends, get close and personal with them, have a compelling conversation because you won't get that anywhere else unless it's coming from myself or the captain. Nick, will you back me up on that? Well, first of all, I appreciate the the compliments, Barry. Uh, the the checks in the mail. Uh, just give me give me a few days to, <laughs> Thank you. To, for it all to right. go through. And right back at you because I, I had the the privilege of being in Lutz uh, a couple times as well over the last uh, five years. One one before the pandemic and one uh, post pandemic. If we're saying the pandemic's over, but you know what I mean by that. And yeah. I, I told you at the last one to where if we were able to bottle the energy that was at the the residence inn. Uh, in Lutz, Florida, and I know it's got a longer title than that, it's, as we've talked about. It, 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 it's some, there was something so special about that room. And, and the goal with Glory Days Grappacon is to take that what's special about that Lutz show, the CWF Legends Fan Fest, and bring it a little further over to Orlando and incorporate not just you know uh, the legends from the CWF territory, but expanding that into leg- legends from other territories or stars of today, as uh, we brought up like Matt Riddle, Top Dollar, Ivelisse, so on and so forth. So I really think we're going to have something special. And, and if you guys don't know, Barry and I have talked about running a show now for about six years or so. <laughs> so uh, this I is six. So. This podcast is a while in the making, but the show itself is six years in the making. Nick, I, here's the funny thing. I remember the first conversation we ever had. You reached out to me, and I don't know if you remember it. I was actually at an auto body shop getting my my flat tire repaired. And we had a conversation about uh, what we were doing in Lutz. And you were just, you know, the beauty of it was you were trying to pick my brain to see what would actually work. And could you take some of that and then incorporate that into what you did up in the Northeast? But as you've heard, the captain is venturing out of the Northeast. He is making his first foray into the South, especially the state of Florida, the old Sunshine State, which I now call home right outside of Tampa. Very excited. But when you look at some of the legends that are going to be here, and again, you know, first off, we have got one man gang, Missy Hyatt's there, right? Uh, is there a male? who has been around for 30 or 40 years that at one point did not have a crush on Missy Hyatt. I had a conversation with my son the other night and I stand by this. My opinion, the hottest woman in professional wrestling at any point was 1980s Missy Hyatt. I know I'm not alone in that opinion also. Jack Victory is going to be there. Mark Lorenz, Mark Lorenz, who was the consummate professional. What a great guy as well. Super excited that he is going to be there. Al Perez is going to be there. Tokyo Monster Cahagas is going to be there. As you just said, Ivelisse. Mackenzie Mitchell from NXT. Brandy Lauren is going to be there. And as I was talking at the beginning of this, we have so many names that are being added on a daily basis. Ron Simmons, Stan Hansen, Mad Maxine. We are adding names almost on a daily basis at this point. So check back with us frequently. Nick, where can people get tickets for this great event? Well, we've got a fantastic Eventbrite page. You'll be able to get 
all the tickets uh, you need for Glory Days GrappleCon at eventbrite.com. Uh, you'll see the hyperlink on most of the posts that Barry and I have been putting up over the last few weeks. But uh, we got ticket packages for every dollar. So we've got everything from the VIP, which includes all of the different events that we're going to have throughout the day, the Ron Simmons Q&A, the Heroes of the Sportorium panel, the Shot Shot of Jack with Victory, and, of course, meet and greet with what is our super ticket. And then uh, we've also got a gold package, a silver package, and then also a general mission where you can go in and purchase the ticket to the event. It comes with an autograph of either Jack, Victory, and Missy Hyatt, and then you can make your purchases a la carte from any of our featured guests, the vendor guests, because there will be over 20 talents in attendance uh, at the Rosen Center on April 20th. And there's actually someone that we just got uh, locked in today that Barry doesn't even know about, but uh, he'll know about soon enough. And you guys will know about soon enough too. make sure to keep focused on the captain's corner page. Of course, all of Barry's pages that he moderates in and uh, yeah, lots of great, Great stuff coming in the next few days and the few weeks uh, right before Glory Days GrappleCon takes off on April 20th. And it is great because we literally are adding talent on almost a daily basis now. You know, it seems like every day where we're, I, I have to contact the guy that does our graphics. And I, you know, this guy is working for us and uh, he's working overtime to get all that out there. But Nick, I, I talked about what it was like for me. It was 1971. My dad, dad would take me by the hand. And, you know, that was a really special memory because I, I think those early memories in professional wrestling, and we all have them you know like anybody that's listening to us right now they know what got them into wrestling and a lot of times it is a family member who was it for you nick uh yeah we we have similar uh entry stories like that in the sense that it was also my dad uh my dad uh wasn't was didn't grow up in the new york area well he did grow up in the new york area and he was a big wrestling fan one of the, the first shows he went to actually was uh, the Shea Stadium show, uh, Stan Hansen and Bruce and Martino. Wow. And he also went to the Shea Stadium show, Bruce and Martino and Larry Zbysko. Those were two of the bigger shows that he went to. And he would occasionally go to MSG. So I, I was born in 1983. So I'm, I just turned 40. And uh, some of my earliest memories, of course, uh, you know, being born and raised in New York involves the WBF TV. Uh, and at that point when, uh, uh, I guess I, my formative years, the WFTV was really going through a boom, as you know everyone knows, especially looking back on it now. My first memory, though, is uh, Strike Force and the Heart Foundation uh, tag title change from uh, Superstars in late '87, and uh, I had been watching for a few a few weeks at least that I can remember, but that was the first major uh, title change or major match that I remember. And then we've, we talked about world class previously. Uh, world class is actually involved in some of my earlier memories as well. In that, uh, you know, cable, crazy to think now, it, it really wasn't a thing everywhere until some places until the early 90s. But we wound up getting cable at my grandparents' house in late 88. When we got cable, one of the things I discovered was the heroes of world class television show, the syndicate show that was on every day after school. So I didn't know they were they were showing stuff from a year to a year and a half before that. So I was getting ready for shows that had already happened. I was excited about. Yeah, I remember seeing, uh, you know, gentleman Chris Adams, of course, the Von Eric family, the Samoan SWAT team at that point were were doing some great stuff on TV. And as I've gotten older, partially because 
World Class was the first wrestling company that I discovered on cable. Uh, I've always held them very close to my heart, and then went back and, of course, watched all the super shows from Texas Stadium, the Cotton Bowl, and the Syndicate show, the, the Dallas-Fort Worth show on uh, Channel 11. So I'm just a, I'm a huge wrestling fan like you are, Barry, and I'm a huge world-class fan. So that's why Glory Days GrappleCon is, holds a special place in my heart. This is the one man gang talking to you people out there in video land. I'm going to be appearing in Orlando, Florida at the World Class Reunion Glory Days GrappleCon on April the 20th, a Saturday at the Rosen Century Hotel. So get your tickets. Come on out to the GrappleCon Glory Days World Class Reunion. Look me up, the one-man gang. I will be there in Orlando, Florida, April the 20th. Let's talk for a moment, too, about the the world, the heroes of world class and the Q&A that we're going to be doing with that. How friggin' cool that we've got five, at the moment, we have five talents that are listed for this. And a sixth talent, who is Mark Lorenz, is actually going to be doing the moderating for a world-class Q&A. That's never been done anywhere before. Uh, I am super excited. But would you agree with me, were world-class fans possibly the most passionate from the territory days? And even to this day, are they the most and what's the right word? I want to say defensive because were they the the most as far as protecting the territory? Because if you go through social media, I'll tell you right now, you better not say a negative word about anything regarding world class because people will jump out and come out at you. But it seems like those fans, even some 30 and 40 years later, are still reliving a lot of the memories that took place, which is great because I know a place on April the 20th, Nick, where they can come and they can meet a bunch of world class legends and listen to what is going to be a kick ass Q&A. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. And uh, if you go back and I know you're a historian and I don't want to call myself a historian, but I'm definitely fascinated by, you know, things that have happened in the wrestling business. And, you know, in 82, 83, 84, you, you look at, you know, that Christmas night, 82, no territory has really been hotter than world class was for that you know, 13, 14, 15 month period there, there's other territories that got as hot, you know, but I mean, they, they were really cooking there with that Freebirds Von Erich feud, the David Von Erich and Jimmy Garvin feud, the, the valets and, you know, all that fun stuff. And the TV show, it, it holds up today, you know, in terms of a lot of stuff they did was pretty state of the art. You know, they had the, they had the camera inside the ring. So uh, the introductions, uh, whether it was Mark Lawrence or, you know, whoever might have been that was in the ring announcing uh, the competitors, they always got a great up-close shot. They did the behind-the-scenes vignettes. Uh, they they take you to the, the bar where the Freebirds were at or, you know, Jimmy Garvin's house, things like that that really kind of brought the whole package into what's become today's presentation of wrestling. And I think that that probably has something to do with it. And then, of course, you know, the Von Erics being so so big and so bright in that 82 83 period you know where they they uh didn't just take uh dallas's heart they took uh a lot of the country's heart especially when uh that show started getting syndicated and later got on espn 
And you know, it's funny too. I love the fact that you bring up the syndication aspect because I would assume, I know most of this country was watching it at different times. And, and this show, this show was in Israel. It was all over the world. I mean, they really had done a great job. But for me, I, I would go out, you know, when I was younger uh, in my in my youth, Nick, which is many years ago, obviously, but I would go out on a Saturday night and get home one, two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning. And I had basically recorded the world class shows I think 11 o'clock at night, 11 or midnight. And I would watch them before I went to bed. And it was so exciting. And I'll tell you what, from Mark Lorenz, Bill Mercer, you know, everybody just, they, they did a great job and they weren't perfect. And that actually worked for the show, in my opinion, because there was this raw energy, which came off as 100% legit and real that you don't always get in wrestling shows. And I think that was a lot of the success of world class. And we should say too, you know, the movie, the iron claw came out, I guess what, two or three months ago. Great buzz. I saw the movie. Did you ever get a chance to see it, Nick? I did. I, I really, it was really cool to see it on the big screen and you know, the buzz that came along with it, you know, everyone uh, talking about the Von Eric family and talking about Texas wrestling. I think it was, it was good for, you know, everyone in and around wrestling. You know, I, I had buddies that, you know, they might just watch Monday night raw and they were like, wow, you know, uh, that was a hell of a story. Or, you know, they would go back and they'd watch clips of the Von Erics and the Freebirds, And, you know, I, I think it, it exposed uh, a time of wrestling to maybe maybe an audience that uh, may not have otherwise uh, stumbled upon it. So I think I really do think that the Iron Claw movie, I'm sure that'll be brought up during uh, the Q&A, the panel on April 20th at Glory Days. But I thought that it was it was very cool. I know it brought a, a buzz back to, uh, you know, Texas wrestling and, and world class specifically. It did. You know, and it was it, it was one of those I saw it in a theater one night and I was with my son who really didn't know much about the story. And, you know, it, I lived through all of that. Right. I was a a dirt sheet reader. Uh, the Internet wasn't around when, a, when the majority of, of the the Iron Claw was taking place. But dirt sheets were so I was able to live through a lot of it. I knew the stories, uh, but my son did not. And I got to say, the movie The Iron Claw had a very profound effect on him. And we walked out of that theater that night and he was like, wow, did all that really happen? And I said, you know, there's some poetic license here that Hollywood does. But the truth is the bones of what took place, you just saw. And he said, that is an incredible, incredible story. So with that, Heroes of the Sportatorium taking place, one of our three featured Q&A kind of interactive segments. This will be the special Q&A hosted by Mark Lorenz featuring world-class talent, the one-man gang, Missy Hyatt, Brian Adias. And Brian Adias, if I'm correct, was a childhood friend of Kerry Von Erich, not somebody he met in the wrestling business. This is somebody that he knew when they were kids, literal kids, Al Perez, Jack Victory, and you know, you never know, there could be more names added to this. I'm super excited about this, and we should say maybe we can announce this for the first time. If you have bought a VIP ticket, we will be doing only for the VIP tickets, we will be doing a special photo op with all of the legends of world class in one photo with you. So make sure, Nick, where can we get these tickets again? 
Everyone needs to head on over to eventbrite.com. If you type in Glory Days Grappacon, I know we'll be populated in that queue. All you'll be also also able to find on the Captain's Corner page all of Barry's pages. Uh, we're doing a as good a job as we can, letting you guys know about the daily and weekly updates. Uh, Glory Days Grappacon, April twentieth, Rosen Center. Crazy to think, only two months away. Wow, Nick, we are so excited right now. We are being joined by really, I think, one of the true legends of world-class championship wrestling, a guy that I saw, I would imagine, on a weekly basis, whether coming from Dallas or Fort Worth. And if I'm correct, Nick, this is a childhood friend of the Von Erich family, Mr. Brian Adias. Brian, how are you tonight, sir? Man, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. Nick, how are you doing? I'm do- I'm doing good too, and I'm excited to have Brian on here. Excited that Brian's going to be a part of Glory Days Grappacon in Orlando on April 20th. And yeah, I've had the privilege to work with Brian a couple of times before. Both him and his wife Monica are amazing people. Brian's got more world class stories than you can shake a stick at. So everyone can kind of hear a taste of what's going to happen at Rosen Center on April 20th. Absolutely. And Brian, again, thank you for your time today. So when did you, was it Carrie Von Eric that you were closest with? And when did you meet Carrie? Yes, Carrie and I started first grade together. Yeah, we started first grade together and we were really good friends all the way, I mean, up until his passing. But yeah, we were country boys out fishing and hunting at their land up by Lake Dallas. And uh, yeah, it was, it was great. First through 12th grade with Carrie. Gotcha. And was, I'm assuming it was your friendship with Kerry that got you involved in professional wrestling. And how did that conversation yeah. go, Brian? Did he, was Kerry like, hey, Brian, do you want to get in the business? Would you like to be a wrestler or did you approach him? Well, when we got to the graduating high school and Kerry's went to University of Houston, I went to University of Texas at Arlington. He wrestled, I mean, he went one year to Houston to throw the discus. And then he quit and started wrestling. He bugged me for those three years. I, I wanted to get my degree, but he was like, man, you got to start wrestling. You got to start wrestling. So when I actually, between my sophomore and junior year in college, I started, but I was NCAA, so I could only wrestle part-time in the summer. So when I graduated in 82, I started full-time. Gotcha. Now, Nick, I know you had a question for, for Brian. Yeah, no. Well, I, I know Brian's uh, formative years in uh, that world-class area were right as uh, the territory was picking up speed. And, and of course, we're, we're, this is just going to be a sample of what you're going to hear at Glory Days GrappleCon on April 20th. But, Brian, at, at what point did you realize, uh, you know, the territory was getting hot? Because you had been in uh, that area your entire life. Uh, but when you got in, that was right when, you know, things start cooking. Yeah, well, Fritz set. Kerry and I down in his office at their house and said, Hey, I'm about to embark on something that he was going to go worldwide uh, with the TV taping. And we're going to go away from NWA and go world-class. So once I saw that TV starting that we did at the sportatorium and it went all over the world, that's when I knew they were, we were onto something that was huge. What are your earliest memories of starting to work and starting to work because again, the Von Eric boys had grown up in this business, right? They, they were well aware, or at least I, I think that they were aware of what they were getting into with professional wrestling. But for you, you know, not coming from, even though you were so close with the Von Erics, what was that like for you in the beginning? Was that, was it an easy transition for you to be in that business or no? The From the athletic side, 
it was easy learning all the the wrestling, but from a mental standpoint and psychological, you put on a a, a big jacket. You know what I mean to uh, to be able to fulfill your role uh, during that time. It was it was some big shoes. Let me put it that way. So, but I just you know I just relied on my on my athleticism and uh, learned the business really well, and it, it worked out really good for me. Now, Brian, I know, uh, of course, uh, you know, world class is the reason for the season, but you spent a, a bunch of time. You almost went on an excursion for a couple of years where you were wrestling for Jim Crockett Promotions. You're wrestling uh, for Jerry Lawler in Memphis, Portland. Why don't you talk about that? Was that Fritz that was kind of, you know, uh, hey, you should go here to work on this? Was that you going out and, you know, deciding where you were going? Because that well, is really fascinating. Fritz really had a hand on me going to Portland. Uh, I went up there for about nine months in 83. Uh, I just started at 82. I went up there, and then I came back here. And uh, that was when I came back here in uh, 83. That was when it was really getting popping. But I was still not quite ready in my eyes or theirs. So I went over to uh, – I wrestled for Bill Watts a little bit. I wrestled in Memphis for a little bit. And then I went to Jimmy Crockett. Carolinas for uh, 18 months and I came back in the middle of 85 and that's when I hit the ground running here back in world class and it was just on fire then. Gotcha and Brian we are so excited we'll give another plug but coming up on April the 20th Glory Days GrappleCon taking place in the beautiful magic city of Orlando and the Rosen Center Hotel, right on International Drive, centrally located. You can be at Universal Studios in mere minutes, Disney in just minutes. All of the attractions are near the hotel. You'll be able to meet world-class legends like Brian Adias, Mark Lorenz, Missy Hyatt, One Man Gang, Al Perez, Jack Victory, and more. Brian, when was the last time you were in Orlando? It's been a, been a long time since I've been in Orlando. What was that town I went in? Uh, Miami. Miami, and what was the other one where I went to, down there for those five? Those, Fort Lauderdale. Fort Lauderdale. And uh, actually, Monica lived in uh, right outside of Tampa in Bradenton from uh, 83 to 93. So she's looking forward. <laughs> My wife goes everywhere with me. She's looking forward to it. I always loved Florida, man. I mean, if it wasn't for the hurricanes, I'd live down there. <laughs> yeah, and, and we should tell Monica and let her know right now that uh, I personally spent a lot of time on Anna Maria Island. So I am living right outside of Tampa. I'm in Tarpon Springs currently, but for the last 12 years, I vacationed uh, in Anna Maria Island. So I love the area. We're looking forward to, to having both of you back in the state of Florida. Uh, Nick, what did you want to ask Brian? Oh, well, Brian, you, you touched about how you spent over a year in Jim Crockett Promotions, and you were part of one of the early Starcades. You were you made the loop and then some for a year-plus period. When you went back to Dallas in 85, what did you notice compared to how it was three years before that? Well, I noticed that, man, everywhere we went, it was just – it was like it was like night and day from when I left, you know, in 82. It was kind of, you know, just ho-hum, but, man, everywhere we went, it was like it was electrified. You know, the little towns that we call spot shows on Saturday night, we wrestled all around 150 miles from Dallas. But, the, I mean, every Monday night uh, when we did the 10-11 show that showed on Saturday and then the Friday night at the Sportatorium, the places were packed just every time. Everywhere we went was sold out. It was like a magic time. It, it's hard to 
you know, as I look back, you, you really didn't realize how big it was until you look back and what it really meant. And, you know, Brian, Nick and I were talking about this off air earlier this afternoon, and we both came to the conclusion that the world-class fans were probably the most passionate and loyal territorial wrestling fans out there. That even to this day, and this is 30-something years since the promotion has been, been gone, it's been closed down, the fans will still defend the Von Erichs, they defend you. They'll defend anything world-class. What do you really attribute that to? I think the, the one thing that set world-class from the other, all the big names, any, all the territories, was the way we worked. We worked really hard. We worked tight. We laid them in. You know, there wasn't a big, real loose stuff that, like, the WWF was having and all that earlier. But I think the... Everybody saw how the, the that the wrestling tapes that we did, how real they were and how we got down and put it all on the line. People see that, you know, they see when you're when you're not working hard. But I think the difference in world class was the way the television was shot with people up on the ring and, you know, all the different cameras. It gave people a new look. But I think it was the way we worked hard. And I think that's what set it apart. Now, Brian. Uh uh, of course, uh, the Sportatorium, Will Rogers Coliseum, those were always, you know, staples for uh, the world-class crew. But in 84, 85, now you guys are running Texas Stadium. You're running the Cotton Bowl. What was that like? Just instead of, you know, maybe, maybe 8, 9, 10, 11, 12,000 people, now you got 25, 30, 35, 40,000 people watching you. No, it was it was something for the that you'll never forget. I mean, I went to two or three different Cotton Bowls. You know, there'd be 30, 40,000 people there, Texas Stadium. I mean, there was 52,000 people there when Kerry wrestled Flair at Texas Stadium and all the Texas Stadium shows. There was Reunion Arena was a big civic center in Dallas, and we sold it out like 17 times in a row. So it was, you know, held 20,000 people. So it was it was amazing, man. It was like you, you basically walked on the water around here, you know, during that time. And people still today, they see me and they recognize me. Gotcha. We have a question coming in from our producer, the great Ray Russell out of Cleveland, Ohio. And Ray wanted to know whose idea was it for your heel turn and how did you feel about it? Was it a welcoming thing for you? Were you excited about it or were you, were you against it? Well, no, I was all for it. I was kind of, it's kind of my idea and Fritz's. We kind of got together and started talking about it. It was kind of a natural deal. You know, Kerry had hurt himself and had the motorcycle wreck and you know i was a, still a baby face and i came to him and i said look man this is this is the perfect n nobody would hate somebody more than turning on your friend what's worse than a turncoat where you turn on your friends and i said it even even better i beat up the little brother you know while carrie's out and talk about how, how i hated him the whole time and it, it was just the more fritz thought of it the more he liked it, he put his spin on it, and then that's when we did it. But having jump on Mike, it's always like you jump on the little brother, and the big brother comes to to save you. You know what I mean? So it was perfect. Me and Fritz came up with that. Now, uh, Brian, you talked about how, uh, you know, uh, of course, the virus, you're always on the good side of things. Uh, one of the guys that wasn't always on the good side of things that you shared a ring with quite a bit, uh, another legend in the Texas area, uh, the handsome half-breed, Gina Hernandez, uh, 
and I'm sure we'll talk about Gino Glory Days Grop Con April 20th, but what's a memory or a story about Gino Hernandez that you might be able to to give everyone that's listening right now? Oh man, Gino, he was great. He was a had a great mind for the business. He's a natural hill. He was the kind of like the scaredy cat. He talked real big, but everybody didn't think he could back it up. But I've got so many stories about him. He just, he's a classic. So I guess the best story is (laughs) we were in Lawton and me and Rick Hazard had these two girls coming to see us. And uh, Gino had a brand new Porsche, the big 928S that was from Europe, cost high dollar car. And the girls that were coming to see us, they ran into his car out in the parking lot. He was so mad. It was ridiculous. So I still remember him talking about these these girls running into his car. And it was it really was a drag, but it was kind of funny too. If you knew Gino, it, you would really understand. That's great. Yeah, Brian, we're we're super appreciative of the time you've given us today. And we, we certainly don't want to take up too much of your time. We know that you're getting your bags packed, you're getting all ready for Glory Days GrappleCon, April the 20th of this year, taking place on iDrive at the Rosen Center Hotel in the beautiful Magic City, O Town, Orlando, Florida. Brian, did you have a chance to see the movie The Iron Claw? And if so, what were your thoughts about that? I did see it. It was, uh, I guess, the, I don't, I don't want to badmouth anything. With people, you know, Hollywood always puts their spin on things. You know, it, it wasn't a documentary, and it wasn't meant to be a documentary. I think it had some, I mean, you know, took a, made a good point a while ago about the people that didn't know the territory, didn't know the Von Erics, and now they see that movie and they see how over those guys were. I think that's a good point for it, but uh, to you know, it's it's just not a it was not a documentary, and and I know I think there's some things that could have been done better, but that's just my opinion. But overall, I think it brought uh, a, a light to, uh, like somebody said earlier, that they didn't realize how big wrestling was and how much Devon Eriks meant to this place, and I think that that movie brought it back. Now, uh, Brian, we want to thank you for your time once again, and you're going to be a big part of Glory Days GrappleCon April twentieth. Uh, the Heroes of the Sportatorium panel, along with the One Man Gang, Missy Hyatt, Al Perez, Jack Victory, hosted by Mark Lawrence, and I know we're going to have a surprise or two. What's something you may want to say to anyone listening right here on why they should come to Glory Days in Orlando in April? Well, what's nice about you, Nick, you've always been uh, treating me really good, and I know everybody, that all the wrestlers that have done stuff for you just say you're first class. I think what people... There's so many of the world-class people. When you can get everybody together at once and these people can see everybody where you don't have to go one place or go to out of another state to see them, I think having all these big names here in one spot, I think that's that's great what you put together here. And I'm really looking forward to coming to Orlando. And we're looking forward to seeing you, Brian. April 20th, Glory Days, GrappleCon. Tickets on sale now, eventbrite.com. All right, look forward to seeing you. Take care, Brian. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Nick, what a great guest Brian Adias was. And, and I know that you've you've had dealings with him and signings with him previously. I had never interacted with him. An open book has no problem talking about those days. Obviously, thinks a lot of you. How exciting that Brian Adias on our first episode of the Glory Days GrappleCon podcast, Brian Adias is with us, Nick. 
Yeah, I think, and like you said, I've worked with Brian before. Working with a lot of the world-class guys when I started doing the signings full-time was on my bucket list because I was such a big fan. Uh, so, yeah, Glory Days GrappleCon on April 20th. Uh, Brian Diaz, Al Perez, one-man gang, Misty High, Jack Victory, a surprise or two. That Heroes of the Sportorium panel is going to be something that – you're going to want to get a ticket to because you're going to hear stories you've never heard before. You have a chance to maybe ask a question and it's moderated by Mark Lawrence, who was literally there for the entire duration of world-class championship wrestling. I know that if I wasn't putting on the show with you, Barry, I would have a ticket because I'm not excited for it. Yeah. You know, there are, there are wrestlers coming from the Tampa area because they are gigantic world-class fans. And these are current wrestlers that grew up watching world-class. And when they saw that we were doing this event, they reached out immediately and were like, oh my God, this is like a dream event for us in Orlando. Should say too, I was able to check the hotels. And if you are coming in and you want to stay overnight, we have got this amazing rate. It is $169 plus tax per night. I want to say the rack rate was $339. So we are getting a big savings, and they're also honoring this before and after the 20th. So if you wanted to come in a couple of days before, maybe stay a couple of days later. And why would you want to do that when every, you know, every theme park and attraction is literally five minutes away? Plus, a lot of people coming from up north, which, you know, we've been looking at ticket sales and a lot of people coming from New York and Connecticut and other states where winter hasn't been great. I can tell you, Nick, and I don't want to say anything or rub this in. I spent three hours at the pool today. So weather in Florida is great. Weather in Florida in April is great. We encourage you not don't just come to Glory Days GrappleCon, the initial, the inaugural Glory Days GrappleCon. Come and stay at the hotel, come to our event, and and experience everything that Orlando has to offer because it literally has so much to offer. And Nick, I think we've got some breaking news, and I'm going to let you break it. We have partnered up uh, with the Establishment Wrestling, which is a local promotion in the city of Orlando. These are some great, and I mean great, young talent on these shows. But we wanted to do what we had done previously in Tampa. Newport Ritchie, actually, where we would put on this great wrestling show. And at the very end of the show, we would have an in-ring Q&A with a certified wrestling legend. The first time it worked, we had gorgeous Jimmy Garvin. Jimmy spent over an hour in the ring. I couldn't get him out of the ring, Nick. He was having such a good time and answering all the questions, talking to everybody, taking photos, etc. And our last event, we had Nord the Barbarian. John Nord also. People couldn't rave about just how great he was. But we have got you know, the word legend gets thrown around a lot. Somebody called me a legend today, Nick. I got to say, I'm not. But the guy who is going to be doing the wrestler who is going to be doing the Q&A in the ring is a certified legend. Break the news, Nick. Oh, well, this man uh, held the NWA United States Championship, former AWA World Heavyweight Champion. He uh, is credited as the man that broke Bruno San Martino's neck, but he could possibly be the most successful gaijin in the history of Japanese wrestling. One of my favorites, I know he's a big favorite of yours, the legendary Stan Hansen is going to be the Q&A guest 
for the April 19th wrestling show that we're putting on, where we're putting on along with our friends at the establishment and details on the venue to come. But Stan will be the featured in-ring Q&A of that night. Yeah, it is really exciting, too. And I should say, I, I got to say, one of the things when we do a fan fest and Nick and I are on the same page, we want the wrestlers that are there to be engaging and friendly. And I had a chance I'll say it was about six years ago to meet Stan Hansen. And look, this is Stan Hansen. Like, you know, to me, you know, you could put Stan Hansen on a Mount, Mount Friggin Rushmore of wrestlers, right? Like it's Stan Hansen. And I put down, you'll love this story. I put down five Florida wrestling programs from 1973 in front of Stan. Stan then asked me to sit next to him because he wanted to go through each and every one of those programs. And it was really funny because, because I believe when he was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame, which he was years ago, he thanked Mike Pedusas. Do you remember that? I and do. It, to, yeah, I thought that was so cool. He thanked Mike Pedusas. And one of the programs that I put down in front of him was Stan Hansen versus Mike Pedusas. So Stan sat there and told me all about the match, told me everything about it. And literally 15, 20 minutes later, I got up from the chair, having just spent those 20 minutes with Stan Hansen. So I got to tell you, I don't think the man has changed much. I, you want to be in Orlando on April the 20th. Stan Hansen, Ron Simmons, one-man gang. I am so excited, Nick. And I know you are too. And what about this, Nick, as we're wrapping up our first episode of the Glory Days GrappleCon podcast? What's our big takeaway, Nick? Well, I think the takeaway is uh, not only how much uh, – both uh, yourself and I enjoy doing this, Barry. But you know how excited we are specifically for this show on April twentieth. I've I promoted five or six conventions at this point. I know you're closer to ten, uh, and. I can honestly say I'm probably most excited about this show in Orlando because it's not just the fact that it's in beautiful Orlando, Florida. It's not just the fact that it's at the Rosen Center, which is right off I Drive. It's the fact that I'm also working with you, Barry, that we're putting our show together. The fact that we're featuring world class and all the stars. The fact that we're going to have someone like Stan Hansen, the Hall of Famer like Ron Simmons, a mixture of uh, stars of of today and the legends of yesteryear. It's uh, a very balanced show it's a show that i'm very happy to put the captain's corner stamp on and i'm happier that we're going to be able to all share this together glory days GrappleCon on april 20th at rosen center there you go well everyone thank you for joining us on our first edition of the glory days GrappleCon podcast one last reminder if i haven't hit you over the head with this enough april the 20th you can visit us on Eventbrite to purchase tickets. And again, if you purchase one of the VIP tickets, we will be doing a live Zoom call with selected legends and you will be allowed to ask questions during that pre-show. So we encourage you to do that. We will have more information about that next week as well. Nick, great job. Thank you for joining us to our producer, Ray Russell. And we encourage everybody, go to the Glory Days GrappleCon Facebook page, Captain's Corner Facebook page, page, Breaking Kayfabe with Bowdrin and Barry Facebook page, or the CWF Legends Fan Fest page, you will be able to purchase tickets. There will be links in there to get tickets for April the 20th. We look forward to seeing you. And as Freddie Miller used to say, and I don't know if Mark Lorenz ever said it, be there. <laughs> <laughs>